Hello and welcome to the Mobile Community Radio Show, CFRU 93.3 FM here in Guelph. On today's show, I have two guests. My first guest is Dustin, who came down to the space with his mother and took some time to chat with me, which was fun. And then my guest in the second half of the show is Farrell, who's a returning guest. She was away for health issues, so it was really awesome to see her return to the center. This episode is a really great example of the variety of people I get to cross paths with in my mobile job. It's really wonderful. And I have a couple of tracks of music to play too. So first, let's go into my conversation with Dustin. So we're here at the Onward Willow Neighborhood Group. And um, Dustin, that's your name? Yes, yes it is. Um, I just spotted you walking by and asked if you wanted to be on the radio. Do you want to introduce yourself? Well, hi, I'm Dustin. I live in the complex where Onward Willow is. And yeah. Cool. What brought you in here today? Um, my mom brought me in because she wanted to take a look at a few things. Cool. Do you come here very often? Uh, no, no. Not really. What do you do? <clears throat> well, I work a little bit. Like, I have a job and... Yeah. Do you have any hobbies? Um, I like reading manga and watching anime. Yeah? Yeah. That's pretty cool. What anime do you watch? Uh, Dragon Ball... Ser- the dra- series of Dragon Ball, I... I Mainly the mainstream, and some non-mainstream. Yeah? Yeah. How did you first get into Dragon Ball? Oh, I've been a fan ever since I was a little kid. Yeah? I've watched Dragon Ball Z so many times, and now they brought out a new series, and I've been watching that for a while. That's awesome. That must have been really exciting. Yeah. Especially when they have more content and a lot new transformations, everything is all good. Yeah, I don't know a lot about Dragon Ball. Um, it's like it came out shortly after Pokemon, right? In the um, beginning, or yeah, around the same time. Yeah, but uh, Dragon Ball was there before Pokemon. But Dragon Ball Z is when everything got more popular. Are they connected? The two storylines? Yeah. Um, how does it work? So Pokemon. Oh wait, no, not Pokemon. Pokemon separate. It is That's separate. A different okay. Anime. Um, do you want to tell me a bit about Dragon Ball, since I don't know a lot about it? Well, their main character is Son Goku. Sort of, he was based off of Son Wukong of the Journey to the West sort of story. Okay. And basically, the preface of Dragon Ball was they were searching for the Dragon Ball's seven wishing orbs that summons a magic dragon that can basically grant you any wish. Okay. So is the storyline um, that they're searching for these things, or have they found them in the story? Yes, they have found them in the story, and they pretty much use it pr- them pretty often in all the, both Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, the non-canon Dragon Ball GT, and the new series Dragon Ball Super. Okay, and so they do manage to summon this dragon? Oh, yeah, lots of times. Oh, okay, okay. I wasn't sure if it was, um, you know, one of those stories where they're always on the hunt or if it's something that um, the story takes place after they've found them. Okay. Yeah. Well, they, f- well, the f- Dragon Ball is when they first find them, and that was the tricky part, but after a while, they got pretty much they can find them easily. Okay, but there's only seven? Yeah, well, unless you count in Dragon Ball Z where they have... <clears throat> Two types. There was the Namekian ones created by the aliens that originally made the Dragon Balls. 
And then the Earth ones were created by a Namekian called Kami. Okay. And he's the guardian, well, the god of Earth. Okay. So that's a different set. Yeah. Okay. And then if you count the true Dragon Balls, they're called the Super Dragon Balls, and they can grant pretty much any wish you want. So if they can have anything they want, um, how do they make uh, their stories? Like, wouldn't just there be no conflict because they can always just succeed? Mm, well, they don't always succeed because even summoning the dragon to help them out only makes sure that everything happens easier. Okay. But it doesn't mean that they don't die or they get hurt, but they do get stronger in the end, but they always, something always bad happens. Oh, okay. And they don't always ha they rely on their Dragon Balls, but when they can't, they have to figure out things for themselves, especially mm -hmm. when it has a time limit. And are they adults or are they like supposed to be humans or are they well, something outside of that? If you go by original Dragon Ball, they were pretty much just human. But once Dragon Ball Z came around, then the creator introduced Saiyans and Goku was a Saiyan. So he's technically an alien from a planet called Vegeta. And basically they're a warrior race where they get stronger every time they get hurt. It's called the Zenkai boost and yeah. Oh, wow. And so, with the introduction of them, is that when more Dragon Balls came into the picture as well? Like, do they have their own over on his planet? No. no. The Namekians are the only ones that created their own Dragon Balls after the Super Dragon Balls that were created by a Dragon God. Oh, wow. Yeah, but those weren't introduced until, like, after that series was done for, like, 16 years. Oh, wow, okay. And so, was this supposed to take place in the past? No, it's supposed to take place in our present time but they're more highly well it's sort of confusing like they have dinosaurs there and they have like flying cars and everything it's sort of like a sci-fi sort of thing like yeah. you don't quite expect it to be our time but they have future technology and creatures yeah. on the past well that's the thing even the dragons themselves seem like kind of old like from you know well yeah they or something yeah the original dragon was created hundreds of years ago and the namekian one was created even farther beyond that and then the super dragon balls were created millions of years ago okay so a lot of them been around for a long time i see so the dragons themselves are um from a time that dragons would have been a thing but then it's modern day that they're seeking the balls well they're not actually you have to summon the dragon you have to have all seven dragon balls right like dragons don't technically exist in physical form yeah they were yeah. more like summoned magically right wow Okay. The only things that exist there are like dinosaurs and a bunch of other creatures. Okay. And Dragon Ball Super introduced gods of destruction and very more powerful people for Goku to fight. And he gets, well, he can trans, when he was in Dragon Ball Z, he, first time he transformed into what they called the Super Saiyan. is basically a powerful transformation. Basically, it was like a prophecy and everything else. But okay. Well, so if... Um, I'm trying to think how this works. If there's 
dinosaurs as well. Mm-hmm. But the dinosaurs are not like magically created. They're just they just exist. Yeah. How do they factor in? Do they become part of the conflict? Um, or are they just wandering around? They're just wandering around and even if they tried to get into the middle of something, they would just been defeated pretty easily. It was open. Should have told you. Because the people like Goku could pretty much punch them once and then they'd be done. So why do you think the dinosaurs are there at all then? I just think just for aesthetics. Yeah. Just to look pretty pretty much just there for no particular reason. They're okay. just there. Um so if you've been a fan for like since you were a kid, um do you make up your own alternate storylines involving Dragon Ball? Uh yeah, me and my friends uh live action role play outside a lot and my friend Josh is like the one that mainly makes enemies and everything for us to fight. Oh cool. Yeah. And do you make physical things to be the uh, the the enemies or do you like oh, he, pretend or reenact yeah, them? Or? Yeah, we reenact them. He plays the enemies and we fight him mostly. Like uh physically fighting or like acting fighting? Oh uh, yeah, it live action role playing is more like we act it. We don't really hit each other. Right. But we sort of, we have to, like, physically touch each other to the point where it we know what's going on. I think that, yeah. Do you guys use, like, um, props and stuff? No. We, no. Basically, we just imagine us shooting the beams. Oh, right. I remember that, actually. Um, uh, boys from my school, when I was young, used to do that. And, um, yeah, the, the little hand thing. Because yeah. I would get it mixed up with Sailor Moon. Sailor yeah, Moon was, Sailor around, Moon was around that time, too. And they had yeah, the I same kind of hand them. power. Yeah, those were... Sailor Moon are more like um, magical girls, while Dragon Ball is, like... Big kung fu masters shooting energy beams and getting stronger. Right, and the um, Sailor Moon, like those girls, had the powers themselves. I think, right, as opposed yes. to the Dragon Balls, are the things that have the power. Yes, like they're well, turning regular people into. Yes, but no, humans are part of the story too, and they are powerful in their own way. Okay. But the people that are the most strongest are the Saiyans, and that's Goku from the original series until he became new as a Saiyan, Vegeta, the prince of all Saiyans, and pretty much the sort of rival to Goku. So this, um, oh sorry, go on. And then there's the half-breeds, basically their children, when they had half-human, half-Saiyan children, because... Well, they don't have a lot of any females anymore because there was only five Saiyans left that from that survived their cataclysm from Frieza. Oh. So, um, if there's no females, then presumably after these Saiyans pass on or whatever, there won't be any more of them? That's the idea? Well, not full-bred Saiyans, like right. purebred, like Goku and Vegeta, but there will be, their offspring will have children as well, one of the Goku's ch- children, Gohan, actually has a daughter now called Pan, and she's a quarter Saiyan. Right, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So there still will be Saiyans, but they won't be like Goku and Vegeta. They'd right. be part human. Okay, so um, Goku 
is the original character. And yes, so when the series the began, we were to believe he was human. And then later on, it was discovered that he wasn't. Yes, he was uh. basically the only thing that told him that he was different is he had a monkey tail. Because oh, he was based off, he's based <laughs> off of Sun Wukong, but after Dragon Ball Z came out, it's found out that he actually was an alien that can turn into a gigantic monkey or ape when the full moon comes out. Okay, that's what happened in the original Dragon Ball series. Is he turned into what they the Saiyans called Uzaru or Great Ape? So it's basically like a werewolf monkey thing. Yeah, pretty uh-huh. much. But then it's ten times their original power, and originally Goku was because they're a warrior race, but they're actually more of space pirates. They took over planets for, like, they get paid to take over planets, give it to the buyers, and basically they get paid that way. Okay. Wow. Like, they weren't good guys. No. But when Goku landed on Earth because he was supposed to destroy the Earth for the buyers... He was found by his sort of parent, well, the person that looked after him, his grandfather Gohan. Mm -hmm. But when Gohan was sort of picking up vegetables and everything, Goku falls off a mountain and hits his head, basically turning him from a very powerful monster to basically a kind child. I see, yeah. So he forgot everything that he was a Saiyan until his brother Radix, one of the last Saiyans before he go... Oh, jeez. Yeah, so, by Goku and Piccolo. And Piccolo's the Namekian that basically was his enemy in Dragon Ball until they sort of became friends. Okay. So did the watch people watching, did they know that Goku... They didn't know um, that he came from another planet originally. No, not like until in, the first episode of Dragon Ball Z. Okay, so in that um, when he fell off the mountain and that like that backstory was that presented right away or afterwards? It was presented right as the same episode as he found out he was a Saiyan. Ah, gotcha, Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Hmm. Wow, that's complicated. So he was supposed to be a bad guy. He was supposed to yes, come and their, do... their people are supposed to destroy planets to get make way for the next people to colonize. But he was a child? Yes, they pretty much... Their children are pretty much pretty powerful. Like, all Saiyans are supposed to be very strong. Hmm. And he, they even send their children to weak planets that don't even have strong people to fight. Oh. Basically... Gotcha, yeah. Even if they transform into the Great Ape, they can just destroy the planet easily over a few couple of days. But I see. since Gohan found him and he hit his head, he forgot everything that Yeah, was, he was supposed to do. Because he was supposed to destroy the planet, but with his bad nature gone, he forgot everything and became a good guy. I see. So are there other good Saiyans? Uh, Are they all supposed to be bad? Well, in from Planet Vegeta, yes, they were all supposed to be evil. Because there were five Saiyans left before three of them died. That was Nappa, Raditz, and... Hmm, what was the last guy? Oh, I forgot. 
All I remember is there were at least five Saiyans left and at least three died. Oh, okay. And the only ones that were left were Vegeta and Goku. Okay. V- Vegeta is the one who's his enemy? Uh, yes, at the beginning he was an enemy. But after a while, he started to help Goku and basically all of his good deeds turned him good. Okay. And huh. he also had a son named Trunks and... Yeah. So, um, maybe one final Dragon Ball question for okay. the moment. Um, can he now turn into an ape whenever he wants or still only the full moon? Uh, no. Basically, for a Saiyan to transform into a great ape, he has to have his tail still. And Goku and Vegeta had theirs removed. Oh, okay. While Vegeta had his forcefully removed by it getting cut off. And Goku, well... They just pulled that thing off. Just because they wanted him, they thought it was weird that he had a tail? No, it's just to make his, it's a weakness, because if they grab his tail, Mm -hmm. he basically becomes weak, and they can defeat him easily, so they found it as a flaw. But then he doesn't turn into the ape anymore. No, because but, now they have a stronger transformation called the Super Saiyan, so there, or now there's the Super Saiyan God oh. transformation. Well, that's from Dragon Ball Super, so... But originally there was only Super Saiyan, and that's more powerful than the Great Ape ever was. Okay. So, yeah, and uh, and if they can control when it happens, I guess that's more ideal than just, like, Yeah, because they can transform into, like, the first time is when it's hard to transform into. But after a while, after they transform a couple of times, it becomes easy, and then they can master it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, interesting. Now I know more about Dragon Ball. Yeah. I didn't know that much before, but. We gotta go. Okay. Oh. Okay. Sorry, oh, no, I that timing's actually it. pretty perfect. Well, okay. Well, thank yep. you, Dustin. No problem. Feel free to come visit the radio again. Okay. Went out. 
to have some fun When I came back, she was done Can you imagine my surprise To find a sweater in my size On the front, two galloping mares And on the back, a dancing bear Her artistry is an inspiration The best darn knitter in the nation She's just so good Welcome back to the Mobile Community Radio Show, CFRU 93.3 FM. That track you just heard was called My New Sweater. That is by Andy Hughes. It's off his album called Be Yourself, which is not yet out. It's set to be released in April, and he sent that to me. As per my ongoing requests for home recordings, B-sides, demos, and unreleased tracks, you can send them to mobile at CFRU.ca with the subject recorded submission, and I will play them on my show. It's really fun to have local music, so thank you Andy for getting me that track. Before that song I was talking to Dustin who was down at the mobile radio space and now I'm going to be going into my conversation with Farrell. Both of them came down to visit Onward Willow which is the current location of the mobile studio for CFRU and if you're listening and you're ever curious about how to come make radio with me all you really have to do is show up. I mean you can email mobile at cfru.ca but I also currently have drop-in hours at the Onward Willow neighborhood group which is located at 15 Willow Road unit k45 and i'm there monday mornings from roughly 10 till 12 30 and wednesday afternoons from 1 till 3 and so you can totally just stop on by which is what these folks have done and i'm going to go into my conversation with farrell who's a long time volunteer over at onward willow so we're here at the onward willow neighborhood group and farrell's back how are you doing i'm doing good yeah um so you were off sick health reasons had to get checked up yeah I have osteoporosis of the spine, so I had to rest. I've shrunk a complete inch, so the discs are moving. Oh. My mother has um, discs that have compounded in her back. Yeah. It's, um, it's unusual because she's not very old, but it's uh, yeah, yeah, apparently extremely painful. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, but how are you doing okay you, the doctor has given you the okay to be out and about again oh yeah yep um what have you been up to well uh the 23rd of december i went and had christmas with our son up north in hanover and i haven't been up there for about 10 years to have christmas with him oh, so wow. we had a great time um i was out uh, we went up on the 23rd the Friday I did the Christmas shopping up there okay for them and then I uh, met Helen and Agnes from Grace Unite Church up there that I used to volunteer with and they were having a volunteer dinner on the 23rd so they I had to go to it so I went to it and got to see the old gang again. It was great, it was like homecoming. And uh, then for Christmas day, we were gonna have the turkey at my son's. And Helen says, no, you're not. She goes, you're coming to Grace Unite Church because they put on a big dinner for people that don't have nobody. Mm -hmm. We've done it for years up there. I used to help serve. and they don't have anybody or it's only two of them and they don't want to cook you know type mm -hmm. of thing 
and they we they bag up little gifts for everybody. Everybody gets a gift. It's a real nice Christmas. We sang Christmas carols. We had a gorgeous dinner. All the trimmings you could think of, and what was left over, you were allowed to take home. And it was a good time. I went with my son, and my daughter-in-law, and my grandson, and my brother Cliff and his wife Rose, and my brother Joe and his wife Sharon. We were the family all there for Christmas, which was oh, great. That's awesome. That's a huge turnout. Yeah, they had about 300. Wow. So um, is it common for you to have that much family around at Christmas, or is that kind of a, an exception? Because that's a lot of you. Like your brothers and stuff, do they usually come out to meet up with you? Uh, no, no. Uh, like it's been years since I had uh, Christmas with my brothers because yeah. they were all scattered. Now two of them live up in Hanover, so it's closer for me. Yeah. So we all got together, yeah. Oh, that's pretty awesome. I mean, you do have some family down here, I guess. Like, you're them. You've oh, created I've, family here. I've got my daughter and her children and the extended family. Yeah. And I have my sister-in-law, my nephews down here, and yeah. Yeah, you've been doing a pretty good job making a big family. <laughs> yeah, for two kids, yeah. Uh, I've done well. Got yeah. ten beautiful grandchildren. What was your favorite part of the holiday? Just seeing old friends. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, that would have been a nice surprise. Well, it was. I wasn't expecting any of that. Yeah. Like, you know, but, oh, yeah, and it was like home week. I walk in, and everybody goes, Pharaoh, <laughs> all at once, and it, you, you just kind of shrink a bit, like, okay, <laughs> you know, but I got hugs and everything. Oh, we miss you, and... That's all oh, that's the volunteers so that I volunteered with up there at different places. So so did you just show up to the church just to see if anyone was still there kind of thing? No, I was shopping. Oh. When down the aisle I heard my name. I mean, it was yelled mm -hmm. in a very high, excited voice. And I turned, and you know how... You get to my age, you rec I can recognize faces, but sometimes I can't put names to them. Oh, it's not even just your age. It's and me uh, I recognize the face immediately. And then Helen comes up and goes, Farrell, it's Helen and Agnes. I went, oh, my Lord. You know, and I got hugs, and we were standing there, needless to say, a half an hour in the aisle talking. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, yeah, it was great. They saw me. I didn't see them. Wow. They must have been so surprised. They'd have no reason to know you'd be in town or anything. No, they didn't. No. They didn't. Ten years. Where yeah. were you shopping? Um, at uh, Giant Tiger. So just a Giant Tiger run-in. Oh, it's, yeah. That's so Canadian. At the GT Boutique. That's what that's we awesome. call it, the GT Boutique. That's really funny. Yeah. Oh, well, that's kind of an awesome highlight. Um, what kind of volunteering did you used to do up there? Well, at the church, we crocheted stuff for uh, newborn babies, preemies, that need, their clothes are too small yeah. to buy, but, you know, 
So we did a little wee hats and bon- bonnets Aww. and booties and things like that, and we'd hand them, take them to the uptone sound to the hospital for preemies, and then we'd take some over to the Hanover Hospital for preemies, if the preemies being born, and uh, crocheted the little blankets <coughs> that they could go home in and things oh, like that. That's so awesome. We spent hours doing that in the winter time because we were up there and we got snow. Uh, I mean, they ended up with three feet of snow. Beautiful day on Christmas. Boxing Day was pretty good. Boxing Day evening, it started to snow. Woke up Tuesday, couldn't even see the road out in front of my son's place. It was blowing and snowing that hard, and it didn't let up till at least Friday night. Wow. We got dumped with three feet of snow up there, and it was like, wow, I forgot how (laughs) that storm rolls in, and you... You know, it just grabs you and you're housebound. Yeah, where's Hanover, like, from here? Uh, I go straight up 6 to Durham. There's only one set of lights in Dur- the whole town of Durham. You come to the lights in the center of the town, you make a left, follow Highway 4 around the band, and right on out and go over to Hanover. So um, 6 is uh, the one that goes up by like, to Fergus and Fergus, stuff? Fergus, Mount Forest, Arthur, all that. And up to Owen Sound and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, they get hit really rough up there. I've seen some photos from friends of um, family that live outside Owen Sound and just like yeah. just piles of it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and they closed some of the roads too. So I bet, yeah. Even Timmy's. Oh, no. It was so bad that... About eleven, eleven thirty. The one day we said, "Let's go to have, let's go to Timmy's." Getting stir crazy, right? Yeah. And uh, we get a cab there. We get out of the cab. The doors locked. They closed up early because of the blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> wow! It must take a lot of snow to close the Tim Hortons. Oh, that up there, it's been closed more than once in a snowstorm. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I guess if people have to come from somewhere else to open it, and then maybe they're snowed out, too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I I spent Christmas here, but I was supposed to go up to Sudbury um, after Christmas to see my mom, and uh, blizzards in Perry Sound kept me away. Yeah. And it's it's so hard, because I've got these little kids, and they really, really wanted to go see their grandmother. Yeah. And... We're just looking at the weather, and there's all these, like, weather warnings saying, you know, if you absolutely have to be out in this, like, bring security blankets and water and food. And I was like, we can't drive into something that comes with that kind of warning, not, like, in any clear conscience. But it's hard. Um, it's, It's a wonder that Canadians ever see any of their other family in the winter, you know? Like, the way the weather is going now, yeah, you don't know from one day to the next what it's going to be. Yeah. Well, and it's amazing that if you're where you want to be um, or you, you know, you get snowed in, so, oh, no, I can't make it back to work, then the snow is so beautiful. <laughs> but when you really want to be somewhere, it's mm-hmm. pretty frustrating, like the same well, day. Well, it was a gorgeous day when we went up on the 23rd. The highways were clear right to the pavement all the way into Hanover. And 
coming back, they did a real good job of getting the roads cleared pretty good. Oh, that's good to hear. The occasional snow, but... Yeah, it's just something about those roads. I don't know if it's maybe because there's no, um, you know, no tall buildings or trees really to block it, but it's the blowing snow too, right? Oh, the On the roads. snow is the worst. Like the because visibility. between Hanover, Mount Forest and Durham, it, like it's open fields and it just blows across yeah. and you can't see. No, it's terrible. I um, We used to go for little country drives and... Um, you know, you'd start out and it would be fine. And then maybe an hour or two later, the snow just picks up out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. the worst part is when it's blowing and there's no plows yet and it blows the road entirely. So you want to turn a corner at like a concession and you don't even know where the road is. I know. So it's not even necessarily very thick, but you can't see it. So That's you go right. to turn it's around all... in a driveway and you're in a field and you yeah. thought it was a driveway, but it, like, it's yeah. crazy. It's all white. Mm-hmm. You can't distinguish from one corner to the next. Yeah. Well, actually, a trip up to um, near Owen Sound at, in winter is indirectly the reason I became a school bus driver. Um, because we were going up to play a show and we had rented a bus and I had my little baby like Otis was just born this was like eight years ago I guess and um, we ended up in a crazy blizzard and our bus driver was just so awesome like she was so professional so chilled out so friendly and just um, there were two or three accidents that we saw like Mm -hmm. the driving by that night and she got us all home and um, it took so long to get home and, you know, classic winter Owen Sound. It's like probably takes three times longer than you're planning on. But I chatted with her the whole time and got to know her so well with this extra time. And uh, I was just so impressed with her ability to be so calm and so professional that I'd kind of always thought about being a bus driver. And then I was like, I want to be like her. <laughs> so it's kind of weird that it was winter that inspired me, but... Um, but uh, yeah, those every time I see those roads, I think of being in that bus and just how lucky we all were to have somebody that knew what they were doing. Cause yeah, you have to know what you're doing in a bus when you got people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I mean, in, in some ways, it's um, more sheltered from some of the, the problems, like this, the blowing snow, because you're higher up. It's a little less extreme, um, and the wind is obviously not, I mean, there's more of you for the wind to catch, but there's also more of you to be heavy and anchored as well. But um, there's more at risk, but it's also a pretty powerful machine to be inside of when you need shelter, you know. And kind of awesome to have all of my friends with me too, even in a time of concern. (laughs) You just have to remember not to look out the window sometimes. Well, being in a school bus too, if if you're on a trip, you, uh, if you do get, strand it you've got the people there exactly yeah you know you've got the camaraderie to that's exactly it it felt like we were all united in this this blizzard Mm -hmm. together us and this woman who was driving us who you know was a stranger before the night began but but ended up being a friend by Mm -hmm. the time you all left that's great yeah yeah that's neat I see lightning in the sky Listen closely, hear a child cry 
Don't tell me life is but a joke When you're left ragged without hope It's only early afternoon But I feel weary, sleep is coming soon I'll reach up for a hand to hold A love is warm and keeps us from the cold Onward we ramble through this burning town Seeing all our possessions turn back to the ground This beaten path may lead us astray But at least we're in nobody's way Valleys echo the battle cries The men who've paid in blood to buy their own demise But we've long since put down our shields Won't find no diamonds in these fields Seems like the angels have long taken flight And left us to conquer our phantoms tonight On our own we kneel down and Welcome back. You are listening to CFRU 93.3 FM, and this is the Mobile Community Radio Show. And that song is called Nobody's Way, and that was by CFRU's own Andrea Padaviri. And I think she recorded that when she was like 16 years old, so that's pretty cool. Uh, She sent that to me as per my request. I mentioned this earlier in the show, and I'll mention it again. I'm looking for tracks for this radio show. I'm always on the hunt. Demos, B-sides, home recordings, unreleased material. Send them to mobile at cfru.ca and I will get them on the show. I'm really excited to have that kind of music, especially from non-male artists. I try to have a lot of women and non-gender identifying folks on the show. I'm going to go back into my conversation with Farrell, a longtime volunteer over at Onward Willow. So if, is it common for people to get snowed in? You said it is kind of in Hanover. Oh yeah, yeah. The 20 years I lived up there before I moved back to Guelph, I mean, we'd take a sunny day and we'd head out to Own Sound. Beautiful day, going over to Own Sound. Then you're in the mall shopping and you're eating lunch, whatever, and you're done, you come out and it's starting to snow. Well, guaranteed, before you get home, you're going to hit the wind and the snow and the blizzard that was picking up. Yeah. Every time. You could, you just had to guess. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah, you just look and take your chances. It's like so got this I, tiny little I got window. on to the point that if I went up on a sunny day and I'm shopping, I'm doing what I want, I keep looking out the window, sun's still shining. Okay, then as soon as I was done and I figured, oh, it's getting closer. Usually around evenings, like supper time, it would start. Yeah. I don't know why, but yeah. it just did, blowing in off the water, you know. Yeah. And I uh, would look out and the sun is shining, but it's not quite as bright. And I go, okay, it's time to go. Oh, that's so, so interesting. So we could make it home. Yeah. How far is the drive from Hanover to Owen Sound? About 25, 30 minutes, that's all. Right. Unless the snow. Yeah, unless the snow. Wow. Yeah, I had a friend um, come recently to play a show in Guelph, and he, um, what was supposed to be a one-hour drive from up around that area, it took him um, six hours, and he was uh, pulling over to help cars that had gone off the road and stuff to help get them back on the road, yeah, and he's just I like know. helping everybody. But like, yeah, it's wild. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. And I similar. I was going from uh, Wayne Fleet, I think it's called, or. Um, I forget what it's called. Bayfield. Bayfield back to London one night, and it took like three or four hours when it should have been about an hour. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Well, and up there in our car, we always had the box in the winter in the trunk. It was filled with blankets, food, flares, flashlights, candles too, because you can put a candle on the dashboard of your car. Oh, and then they'll see you. Well, not only that, it provides, when you run out of gas, that candle on the car, with everything sealed up, will provide heat in the car. Oh, wow, yeah, I guess, yeah. How would you keep water from freezing? Wrap it up in the blankets in the box. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. So that's just standard? It's mighty cold, mine, yeah, but (laughs) it's not froze. Wow. So that's just standard practice, just everyone driving around up there probably? Uh, I guess so, but I was taught that from the age of 15 when my father taught me to drive. That was one of his big things. In the wintertime, you have a shovel, you have your box with all your supplies, emergency supplies, and you try to keep a bag of sand in the car mm-hmm. for when you do get off the road. You know, you can shovel and then put the sand down and try to back out or wherever you are. Yeah. That way you got some help. Or ashes from the wood stove is great. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. They take a better grip to the snow and that than the uh, the sand because you got the pieces of wood in the ash, right? Oh, yeah, That's I guess. burnt up. Wow, I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Wow. I guess I've probably never heard of that because I've never been... Um, it's not that common for people to have wood stoves around here, you know, like that's something I also associate with a little bit further north. There's more people I know with like a wood stove in somewhere in their house, but here in town. Yeah, we always had the wood stove for cooking and heating and the reservoir on the side for hot water and wow, ashes. I had no idea. Oh yeah, that's great. You got a fireplace down here. If you're going on a trip out of town in the wintertime, just put some ash, a a pail of ashes in your car. Cold ones, mind you. 
I had a friend that decided I'll just take them out of the fireplace. Well, they weren't quite cooled off. What yeah. happened? Burn herself? No, she put it in the trunk, but by the time they got up the road, there's smoke coming out of the trunk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, how silly can you get? But Whoa. yeah, we always had the, we always put, uh, you can put ashes in a bucket. Yeah. Cold ashes in a bucket, and you always have a shovel in your car. Mm hmm. Always. Yeah, I should have one in my car. I don't know if I do. I was and a bottle of spray deicer for your locks to get in and out of the car, because you could go into the mall to shop. It gets cold, drops. Mm -hmm. You come back, you can't get in your car because your locks are froze. So you have a deicer you can put in, and you're free to go. Okay. These are good tips because I am going to go to Sudbury eventually, and now that I have a bit more time to prepare, I can maybe. Make sure I'm doing it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. um, And if you have the smaller kids, you also keep games. Oh, yeah. Or storybooks or, you know, that stuff I'm good at remembering. Yeah. But you make sure you got good, heavy blankets, quilts, and stuff. Yeah. We always have um, uh, the the blankets. Um, I usually just have them out and across my kids' laps just to begin with. It meant yeah. They fall asleep quicker yeah. and they're cozy and they uh, they don't notice the long drive as much. That's right. It also keeps them from kicking the back of my seat or each <laughs> other. So it's got lots of good bonuses that way. I bundle them right in there. And then games and stuff too. We had um, a few years ago on our way to Sudbury, um, there was like a horrific accident on the highway ahead of us um, that we were one of the first cars to arrive to. Um, mind you, there was already emergency vehicles and stuff there, but there just weren't. It was like, you know, nighttime and mm-hmm. northern Ontario. So not that many drivers going by. And um, we were there for probably three or four hours, I think, stuck in the in the van. And uh, it was crazy because my kids were... They were surprisingly good about it. Like they nodded off or they were watching little videos on the iPad and stuff. We were kind of, you know, doing our best to make them entertained. But the scary part for me and my partner was sitting in the front seat within view of the accident. And it's like you're not staring, but you're watching to see if there's any updates, if you're going to be moving, if anything's changed. And at one point we saw like the jaws of life come out and they're like cutting open this vehicle. And we're just like, I don't want to see whatever and I don't as far as I know we couldn't find any um articles after suggesting anyone had died I think it was just the way that the The vehicle was hit they just couldn't get it open or something but it was just for us like we have no idea what's happened in that vehicle Mm -hmm. and it's just this terrifying thing that happened just before you that could have been you you know you don't know the circumstances and right and it's so hard to be the parents sitting there Watching that, even and though the trying kids, to keep the kids from watching, exactly too. It's the not kids something no, they should be seen. No, and it's just we were in a minivan, so <coughs> it was like you know the kids were just far enough back in the vehicle to have really no idea what's really going yeah. on. They knew there was some sort of you know accident or traffic jam or whatever, but they weren't really prying. But uh, it yeah it scarred my partner from winter driving for like over a year. He yeah. was he's just sort of starting to get his confidence back about that, and he's like that's why he didn't want to go up during emergency weather again. He's like don't you're gonna ruin me for another year if we go right now. But yeah, 
Do you, those are handy tips. You always have that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it? Um, does it change the like the personalities of people up there to be framed in a place that gets snowed in? Like, do you feel like there's a sense of community or people? Um, I found Hanover. That sense of community up there was helping everybody that needed help. Your neighbor, you know that saying, "Help thy neighbor." Yeah. You know, your neighbor knocks on the door, needs help, you're immediately over to help them. It's like that in Hanover. Yeah. Um, people pass you on the street. They wouldn't know you, but they go, hi, good day, good morning. You know, Yeah. friendly as can be. Yeah. You walk into a coffee shop to have a coffee and they all go, hi. You know, very friendly town. Well, that's good. Very helpful town to people that have moved in. Mm-hmm. We, well, that's one of the things Grace United Church had. We had a welcome wagon, what we call a welcome wagon. Yeah. Uh, it was <laughs> Helen that drove her van around. When someone would move to town, we would make up a little box for them, you know, mm-hmm. to give them. And Helen would make her fresh baked apple pies and things like that. So, yeah, and take one with her. Yeah. Do you think that's like is that a small town thing or just you know because people have been united in times of crisis or what do you think it is? Do you have any ideas as to? I don't know. I thought like my father was born at the Rock Rocky Saugeen, which is just before you get to out of Durham mm-hmm. and on the farm there. And then they moved up, sold the farm and moved up into Own Sound and mm-hmm. that's where they all lived. I got all kinds of relatives up there. But uh, even back when my dad was young, he said it was the same way, neighbor helping neighbor. Hmm. That's neat, yeah. Do you find elements of that here through hanging out this space? You know, now that you're back in Guelph, I mean, I don't, Guelph doesn't um, seem as much like that across the board. It used to be years ago yeah. when I was a kid, like when I lived here. Mm-hmm. Um, like your nearest neighbor could be a mile up, up the road. Right. Because all this Willow West and that was all, wasn't even here. Yeah, it was a swamp, right? Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, if you needed help, you go up the road to your neighbors, and they would come right down and help you. Yeah. Well, I feel like... Um, but there's... Um, where I live now in the apartment building, just across the road from here, the people in there are extremely friendly, helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Like, there's little micro versions of it. Yeah. Like, my street... Um, over sort of towards the ward like there's a Christmas party every year that they invite the entire street mm-hmm. and so you go and you meet all the people that live on your street which is kind of neat and you all introduce each other by house numbers yeah. which We're is about kinda, some, uh, oh. Grove Street Grove. Um, yeah. we used to live on Sackville oh yeah 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 I'm not in the ward proper I sort of Perched oh, right I, above we were, the ward. We were but nine years, and yeah. then we sold our house. The ward, too, though, has, like, little micro-friendly communities, too. And, yeah, it's maybe not as much... A lot of Italians. Like, yeah. And they're sweet, oh, yeah. sweet people. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I found through the neighborhood groups that, um, you know, maybe Guelph across the board isn't 
as good about it, you know, maybe going from one area to another, you don't have as much of the friendly around strangers necessarily, but there's still little communities within here. Oh, there's lots of communities that get together and, yeah. yeah. I still feel like downtown is still really good about that. I don't know how other people feel about it, but um, my dad owns a store down there and I feel like all the little the sort of merchants like the store owners of the stores Mm -hmm. you go to we all know each other and you know all the coffee shops that we go through yeah it feels like a little tiny town within a town sort of and um i really enjoy it it's like something i've grown up with and it's that part of guelph has stayed you know that this the owners change and the businesses change and people move and other people come in and yeah so there's different people at your local cafe but that even the new owners yeah. seem to grip the idea downtown that this is a friendly downtown. Yeah, I think so. And uh, are very pleasant and accepting of the people. Yeah, I, I really love it. I hope that's the other people's experience. But certainly here in the neighborhood space, like in the Onward Willow Center, I've certainly seen all of you guys are like that. You're like your own little town here. Yeah, we... Um, like I said, we have a community of the Onward Willow Services, a community of 2,000 people. So yeah. we're, we know them. We're friendly when they come in. Um, it's nothing for someone to walk in and give me a hug. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, thank you. And, you know, um, I even have some in the community that, there's a couple that's older than me, believe it or not, come in and go, hi, Mom. I go, hi. I just let it go. That's funny. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is um, amazing how far back this neighborhood goes. Like when you see um, complexes and apartments and uh, townhouses, they don't look old, you know, because they're not, they're more recent builds, but they're from a very old neighborhood. Like there's residents here who have been here for so long. And I, I think that's really cool. And, uh, and, uh, but then mixed with completely brand new people to Guelph coming through all the time yeah. too. Yeah. Our building has a lot of the new Canadians in it. That must be fun. It is. Yeah. We had our Christmas party there before we went to my son's and uh just for the building Mm -hmm. so they all came and and oh that's cool so i crow i uh crocheted slippers for all the little wee kids like little little slippers they were so cute kept thinking when were mine that small but you know and i handed out slippers to every small child like say five and under Aww. That was there. <laughs> that's so adorable. That must have been the cutest thing. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice of you. One girl wanted pink and only had the one pink. I said, well, only have one and that little girl's got it, but I'll make you another pair. So I just, I'm like, it's just off the hallway from my apartment, the, yeah. the room we have it in. So I went over to my apartment, got the wool, and there I'm going. By the time it was over, I had another pair of pink slippers knitted, (laughs) crocheted for her. So she was quite happy. Wow. Well, that's pretty sweet. 
Oh, well, I should um, I should let you get, you're going on shift, I guess. Yes, I am. So I should give you time to get your coffee and say your hellos and everything. But um, we should catch up again soon. I'm glad you're back. I'm happy to be back. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad you had such an awesome Christmas miracle up there in Hanover. I did. Yeah, I did. It's it amazing. was uh, quite a surprise. I bet. <laughs> That's wonderful. Wasn't expecting anything like that at all. Oh, that's great. I'm really happy to hear it. Well, thank you uh, for chatting with me again, Farrell. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mobile Community Radio Show. This is CFRU 93.3 FM. Thank you to Dustin and Farrell, who were my guests today. And thank you to Onward Willow for being such a wonderful host for the Mobile Studio Project. Once again, you can visit me over at Onward Willow, 15 Willow Road, Unit K45, on Mondays from 10 a.m. until 12.30, or Wednesdays from 1 till 3. Each time you can catch me and make some radio if you want. Tune in again next Monday at 1 p.m. for more Mobile Community Radio. Yeah.